Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast uh, to Devils fans and non-Devils fans alike, but mostly to Devils fans because uh, you guys can commiserate with us. And we'll do some commiserating to start this podcast because we're going to recap. I mean, when I say recap, I'm using that very loosely. John and I are going to talk about the Washington uh, quote-unquote effort from Friday night and then talk about the Sunday afternoon to evening result against the Boston Bruins, which, again, was not unlike another Sunday afternoon result against the Boston Bruins about a month ago, um, or maybe a couple of weeks. It all feels like so long ago at this point. But the Devils managed to split their results again. It feels like every podcast, they're winning one and losing one. But this time, they lost 4 nothing to Washington, and they lost, or they won one nothing on the road against Boston. So let's start with the Washington game. Um, John, uh, everyone was bad. <laughs> Everybody but the Zajac line mm-hmm. was bad. Everybody. Jack Hughes earned a benching yep. for the first period. He earned it because he decided, I don't need to cover Alexander Ovechkin and his 700 and however many goals he has in his career. And it cost a goal, another one for Alexander Ovechkin. Ty Smith was bad. P.K. Subban was bad. Mikhail Maltsev was bad. Pavel Zaka was bad. Andreas Janssen was bad. Even Wedgwood let up, up, let up a bad mm-hmm. goal. Uh, to Connor Sherry after Maltsev's bad giveaway. And that's ultimately the story of the game in, in total. The Devils made too many mistakes in their coverage, too many turnovers, and in their few attempts to get something going, they could not beat Ilya Samsonov to save their mm-hmm. life, not even if they had two pucks on the ice. Yeah, the, this looked like a lot of other games against Washington for at least the moments where the Devils... So each game kind of starts off with a little bit of a flurry from the Devils, and they don't capitalize on a pretty great opportunity. Then Washington comes back and scores in their first opportunity of the game. At that point, the Devils decide, do they want to actually keep going in this, or do they want to just open the floodgates a little bit? And they did open the floodgates the second time. There was almost no... There was almost no indication that they would score a goal at any point in that game. And for the first time this season, through in their 32nd game, they got shut out, which was... Which was jarring, but it was still something that was not unexpected given their track record against Washington so far, which drops to 0-5-1. Now, the next team they would face, and I don't really want to talk about that one more, that's a 4 nothing. it was just a slow descent into futility, but... The game on yeah. Sunday, they were facing an opponent who they've had a pretty good run against this season. They're 3-0-1 going into this effort against the Boston Bruins, and they're in Boston again. And the Devils became the first team, as you said uh, before we started recording here, the first team to beat Boston in regulation twice at home. They're one of three teams ever to beat Boston twice in a season by scores of one to nothing, uh, following teams, I think, from, yeah, the only other two teams to do that were the 1933-34 Montreal Maroons and the 2009-2010 <laughs> Florida Panthers. So that's of course. such a strange collection of teams um, that the Devils find themselves in company with, but they continue to just vex Boston. And this was a Boston team. I, I want to put this qualifier on it because let's not pretend that this wasn't happening but this is a boston team that saw patrice bergeron leave the ice due to injury and come back later missing a significant chunk Twice. of the game mm-hmm. yeah. marchand is in covid protocols um they're mm-hmm. missing many many other players up and down the lineup boston is and obviously again we, we said this last time but so is everyone else but for boston in particular losing marchand and bergeron during the game big losses those are not things that they can recover from and a lot of their team is 
you know, run by that line. And again, when we talked about shutting down Washington, as opposed to shutting down Boston and Pittsburgh, if you can shut down one line, you usually do a pretty good job, unlike Washington, where they have multiple lines that could just pour goals into the net. And so the Devils spent a lot of time, um, you know, kind of keeping Pasternak himself in check. He was with Bergeron still, but for the most part, this game was um, pretty tightly played. It was a heroic effort from Mackenzie Blackwood and just like the Devils game that they played against Boston uh, like I said a month couple weeks ago whenever that was instead of getting the goal late in the game to go up one nothing and eventually hold it they would get the goal at the beginning of the game courtesy of Kyle Palmieri's ever-present knee yeah I would say this was a game of two halves where the Devils played a really good first half and then it was the Mackenzie Blackwood and co show Uh, (laughs) you know and it did help that Pasternak um, was basically left alone for a good stretch of the game. And it also helped that Pasternak did not have his – this was not his one of his better no. nights. It wasn't a bad game, I would say. Um, you know, the five-on-five five numbers were ultimately favorable for him. But for most of this game, it, it wasn't. He was just kind of a guy on the ice. And as were a lot of the Bruins. Uh, the Bruins definitely had a lot of passengers this evening until the third period. And, um, you know, they, they almost paid the price for their uh, sins, if you will. But, yeah, the the gams of Kyle Palmieri, the most prideful, uh, you know, ho- hawks of meat on the bone of, of Montvale, New Jersey. This was a very strange you're, nickname you're I just met. seconds away from me editing out that whole section, but I won't. <laughs> Yeah, family podcast. Um, just John, leave, relax. Just leave, just leave the uh, leave, leave the embarrassments in. Um, you know, it, it was the one offensive zone faceoff win, I believe, all game for Jack Hughes. Expertly won back to Jesper Brat. Brat drops it nicely to Smith. Smith fires a shot, hits a Bruin, and then hits uh, Palmieri in the leg. Gets past Yaroslav Halak. There's your mm-hmm. goal. That's the only goal of the game that counted. Key keyword counted. And um, the Devils did a fairly good job in, in the first period. They outshot the Bruins 12 to 7. Both teams kind of struggled to get anything close to either goaltender. Um, you know, it, it was one of those games that it looked like it was going to be like, here's here's a long shot that got through a screen or a long shot off a deflection. And the Devils got that one shot before the Bruins certainly did. And uh, for the first half of this game, it went well. And then it went not well. Yeah, so a lot of those, you know, giveaways that we saw characterizing the Washington games uh, reared their heads again as Devils tried a lot of fancy breakout passes. I'm not even going to talk about how abjectly horrendous the power play was all game long, but oh, I uh, will. You can I will because I want to make this one. I want to make this one very clear. Oh yeah, point yeah. you you can. I just want to mention also that Boston has the best penalty kill in the NHL. Um, they do. So that's yes. worth noting at least a little bit. But yeah, the power play looked horrendous, but the penalty kill was absolutely heroic when it needed to be. The penalty kill um, killed off all of Boston's opportunities, obviously. And late in the game, when Yanni Kwakanen deservedly got four minutes for high-sticking Charlie McAvoy, they killed off the entire double minor and probably gave the Devils the last bump of momentum they would need to be able to hold the fort. Now, again, it wasn't without its controversy at the end, but, you know, spiritually, that was the biggest kill of the night. That really put them in a position to not just, you know, hold on to a 1-0 lead, but uh, kind of deflate Boston a little bit as well. Certainly. And and even that four-minute call on Quackening came with some controversy of its own, because the play is going, and then all of a sudden, McAvoy's down Mm -hmm. hurt. So they stop play, because he's hurt, as, as you would. And they know he gets up on his own and his mouth is bleeding and they go, oh, let's let's talk about Mm -hmm. this. And they go to the tape 
and, and they conference and then said, oh, Quokkanen gets the double minor. Now we can review to confirm the call. And I'm thinking to myself, Dan, where was this yeah, in Washington on Thursday? Good question. Where the hell was where the hell was this? Did Miles Wood or Travis Zajac fail to attract the attention of the referees? I think it was the same two referees I think they too, just, Furman South and uh, John McIsaac. They just failed to be Charlie McAvoy was the issue. Well, in any case, I mean the call was correct. Like Quackenden did high stick mm-hmm. him in the mouth. So I'm not sitting here saying, oh, Quackenden never should have got the penalty. I'm just pointing out the inconsistency, and it, and the NHL already has enough black eyes with respect to their refereeing given what happened with Tim Peel the other night in Nashville. Now that being said, I want to take a step back here and I want to make a point about the power play here. So the devils nearly blew this game on their power play. (laughs) They gave up two their best chance. They had two power plays in the third period. And normally if you have two power plays in the third period, Dan, that in of itself is, you know, uncommon. And second, that would be a great time for a team up one nothing to possibly go up mm-hmm. two nothing, or at least make the other team think that oh, it could be two nothing. We might have to play some defense. And yes, the Bruins do have the best penalty killing um, success rate in the league. They have Patrice Bergeron, they have Charlie McAvoy. They you know they didn't have DeBrusque or Marchand or, or and I think they lost Jeremy Lazan along the way in this game, or at least for part of this game. I think he was back in the third period. I'm not positive, but. You don't need to be a Selkie winner or have a reputation for being a top defensive player if all you're going to do is throw the puck needlessly away into the corner or reverse it to nobody just after crossing the blue line. Or if you're going to decide, I'm going to keep doing two drop passes per breakout, despite the fact there's a, you know, some dude named Andreas Zorb, um, I'm sorry, Andreas yep. Bjork uh, in my grill <laughs> and, and uh, you know, forcing a bad play. You know, Pierre Maguire's, you know, giving stick about, oh, Jack Hughes needs to be strong on the puck. I'm thinking, Subban, why the hell were you deciding to go into the dude and then put it in a place where the other guy could possibly get it? Like, you notice on the fourth power play of this game, the Devils did not do any drop passes, but they still had the problems on the entries, and that mm-hmm. was bad. And I want to take a step back is that in the first two power plays, while they didn't score on them, the Devils were able to get set up. They were able to move the puck around. They were able to at least make Halak do something in that, on those power plays. They weren't good, but they weren't bad. And the Devils' bad power play showed up in the third period and nearly cost them a shorthanded goal that could have tied this game up and we would be talking about a completely different result with a whole set of different complaints. But instead, they survived it, and Boston just kept rolling on because, again, from the second half of this game onward, the Bruins pretty much tilted the ice against Mackenzie Blackwood and put a lot of rubber on this man's neck. Yeah, and Blackwood made 41 saves, and none were better than his last one. Oh, and now we get into the the juicy controversy, the narrative, the talking yeah, so points, if, the big takeaways of this if game. If you guys weren't prepared for it, there was not, you know, in terms of the scoring, in terms of the scoring plays, whatever it is, between Washington and Boston, we had seen games like that against Washington before, so it's pretty old hat. And this game against Boston, we had literally seen almost down to the minute and the score, uh, just like I said, the, the order of the scoring coming in the first instead of the third like last time but that game didn't have the controversies this one did this one with about a minute and 10 seconds left got very very interesting yeah the last few minutes of this game were just bizarre like miles wood gets a breakaway out of nowhere and actually puts a really good shot on net which is way rare for miles wood on a breakaway jesper brat hits a post out of nowhere Jack Hughes is defending like he's Travis Zajac, which is a compliment, by the way, since Jack Hughes was deservedly benched on Friday. It's worth noting he played some D in this game. But you're right, Dan. With about a minute 10 left, Boston is just throwing everything in the kitchen sink that they can. 
It looks like Blackwood covers the puck, but David Krejci knocks it loose. And Patrice Bergeron, who, who again, left the game twice due to injury, was back, back on the ice for this one. Slams in the puck. It's looking like it's 1-1. And then Lindy Ruff has a word. Yeah, he challenges that. And says, I want to challenge it. And, and it's a good idea to challenge it because, yeah, let's say you lose the challenge and you take a penalty. Okay, so what? You As long as you can get to overtime, you know, you, you effectively win. Because let's be real. The Devils aren't going to do anything in the standings mm-hmm. this season. So taking a point from Boston under any any circumstances would be a win yeah, in a sense. Yeah, ag- agreed there. And, and um, this kind of call was something that uh, – after having watched this team all season, you know that there have been some really quick whistles against the Devils this year. Oh, and so yeah. I was shocked was. that Blackwood's covering of the puck right in front of the referee was not quickly whistled down as it has been the other way many times. But because of that, when Krejci poked the puck loose, it was deemed goaltender mm-hmm. interference, which it was because you can't just yep. fork someone's glove with your stick to knock the puck loose and so they called that goal back and this again is with a minute and 10 left on the clock and this was a lengthy review but um they they ended up calling this one back which was again the correct call it just wasn't made initially on the ice initially they called it a goal yeah yeah so they had to look for evidence that crazy cheated effectively and he did he whacked the glove and you know you know, they, there's a big reason why all these, you know, old school, especially the old school uh, hockey commentators say, oh, you got to go to the net and get that greasy goal and got to keep working until you hear the whistle. And, you know, what that means, what that is code for is do anything you can. And, and if the refs don't see the foul, then you got away with it, which, you know, it's not. How do I say this? It's not noble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not sportsmanlike, but it's life. But thankfully, the right camera angle showed that Blackwood covered the puck. Krejci whacked the glove to knock it loose. That's goaltender interference. And what was shocking to me, and I guess adding to the anxiety and to the controversy and to the scenes of how this game ended, you know, you had the NBC SN broadcast with Pierre Maguire and his zero uh, pro hockey experience as a player going on about how, oh, well, you know, Krejci's playing to the whistle. He's doing what his coach is telling him. You know, you got to go to the whistle. You know, maybe this has got to stand. I think this is going to stand. It's like, and, and apparently on the New England Sports Network mm-hmm. broadcast, which is basically 1,000% Boston Bruin Homer special uh, Jack Edwards, uh, was presumably losing his mind over the challenge <laughs> because, woo, mm-hmm. you know, this was a big this was a, this was a big call for the refs, and thankfully the refs got it right. It's now back to one nothing, and now Boston is back into let's get a man on let's let's pull Halak get a man on the ice and see what happens and. Uh, <laughs> What happened, John? <laughs> well, Dan, um, after some heroic plays, um, the Devils get, you know, initially get some clearances. Pasternak dove to deny Kyle Palmieri what would have been an empty net mm-hmm. goal for him. Like, I, I do have to give Pasternak this credit. He dove like you would do in the NHL 95 game when you, you know, just dive and hope and pray the poke check gets the puck away from the man. And that's exactly what happened because otherwise Palmieri was going to take that puck and slam it into the empty net. Uh, to seal the win, uh, Boston eventually gets back in. They're crashing the net yet again, and a long shot is taken. It looks like it was played with a high stick, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the controversy. The controversy was Blackwood denies the puck rolling into the net with the toe of his right skate, 
And Boston is celebrating while the ref on the ice, I didn't catch the number, so I can't credit Furman South or John McIsaac. So it's one of those two emphatically waving no goal, no goal, no goal. Sharon Govich has presence of mind to just heave the puck as far as he can. Mm -hmm. And Boston touches up for icing with 1.1 seconds left. And now we have to review the call on the ice of no goal. To be fair, if you were seeing that from a Boston perspective, you very much are like, there's no way he could have saved that, right? There's no way yeah. he got to that in time because not only was it a save coming across, but it was a save after stopping on the way across. He had to stretch after he stopped his movement. And to do that, he got his the slightest portion of his right toe that he possibly could and kept that puck out of the net. You can look at any angle. Uh, there was not one that we saw at least that looked conclusively no. like the whole puck had crossed the line. There were some parallax things going right. on with one of the angles that we saw on NBC, um, but from the overhead view, it was impossible to tell if it had crossed uh, yeah. fully over the line. And so, after another review there, the call on the uh, and it was a long it was a long one. Too. Yeah, it was definitely long and nerve wracking. And again, this would be a heartbreaking loss for the Devils, akin to the one that they had against the Islanders a couple of weeks back. But it was not to be as the Devils got the call again. It's rare that you see two referees calls, uh, reviewed calls go the Devils way in one game, but they did. And the Devils pull out another win and they pull out another win against Boston, which is if Boston doesn't make the playoffs somehow, if Philly passes them or even, you know, the Rangers go on a long streak and pass over them, they're going to look at these contests against the Devils and say, well, we just had to beat them. Well, you were right, but I mean, Boston would have to fail a lot harder than they do. I mean, I do the division snapshot every Sunday on the site, and Boston, you know, they're not only in a playoff position right now with three points ahead of Philadelphia, they also have games in hand on Philadelphia. And since Philadelphia doesn't seem to feel like winning is a good thing for them, and our hated rivals are still far enough back that they would need a miracle run to get back in the picture, as long as Boston can win some games along the way, they should be fine. I think this these types of games will hurt them if they wanted to avoid playing Washington in the first round. Uh, that's is this is these are the games that are going to doom them because they're basically they're basically nestled into fourth place right now. I don't unless Pittsburgh decides to crash and burn real badly. And again, Boston has four games in hand on them, but you have to win all four of those games in hand to get close. And uh, good luck winning four four games in hand. It's just hard to do in this division in this league. Well, I shouldn't say that because Boston, I believe, has to play Buffalo seven times. <laughs> uh, so they may be OK, actually. But you you do have a good point that if you're a Boston Bruins fan, you, you're kind of dejected that this team. Yes, they don't have Marchand. Yes, they didn't have DeBrusque. Yes, they don't have Corrali. Yes, Rask is injured. But, you know, Halak played a hell of a game in net for Boston. You have to give Halak a lot of credit. You know, um, you know, McAvoy played with his big boy pants on, as he usually does. Bergeron played through played through the pain. Uh, Pasternak arrived in the third period to be David Pasternak. David Krejci used his big physical nature and cheated his way to, you know, having a goal disallowed. Um, you know, Boston, I don't, you know, but you're right. Like, these are the sorts of games that, as a Boston Bruins fan, you're probably, like, gnashing your teeth. It's like, really? We can't beat the mm -hmm. Devils? You know, I mean... It's 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 almost bizarre. It's almost you almost want to laugh that the Devils are one uh, one and one after two games where they scored scored exactly one goal, um, but they did it. Um, and credit to again the um, 
the lovely thighs of Kyle Palmieri. <laughs> and the the mark continues to stand where the Devils, like we said, have not given up an even strength goal to the Boston Bruins this year. Nope. That is not a sentence I thought I'd be saying in uh in March, let alone March 28th. But here we are, and the Devils have the Bruins number. Feels good um, because they will. Oh no, they're not playing them again this week, are they? It's just Washington again. Oh, yes, they are. They okay. are. No, yes, they are. So so coming up next week, and this is a well. Coming up this week, uh, the Devils have a rarity. They have a slight break in their schedule. They only play three games in this week instead of oh four. Uh, yeah, so they played the first one of the week tonight. That were that the one nothing win. You know, with the you know the extra scenes at the end of the game. Um, they will be in Boston on Tuesday night. Um, this one will not be on NBCSN, so you don't have to endure Pierre Maguire for this one. If you're in the New England area, you will have to endure Jack Edwards. And I'm sure – I am sure he will probably have a few thoughts about Sunday's <laughs> game as he calls Tuesday's game because that's just who Jack Edwards mm-hmm. is. And that's the end of the road trip. And then we enter – we begin April. Unfortunately, Dan, <laughs> we begin April at The Rock where the Devils are a whopping 4-11-2 this season. And they will be hosting on Friday night the Washington Capitals, who they have yet to beat. And then they will finalize. I'm at the risk of jumping ahead here because it was just yep. three games. Um, yeah, they will be hosting Washington on Sunday, Easter Sunday, 3 p.m., their final game of the year against the Washington Capitals. And it cannot come any sooner. We legitimately could be talking about an 8-0 sweep for Washington. <laughs> but again, the other way, we could be talking about a 7-0-1 sweep for the Devils the other way against Boston. So do you take yeah, it? Yeah, you know, so like, yeah, I, I would, if, you, if you're telling me I have to sacrifice the Washington series to make Boston incredibly salty, yeah, I think yeah, I Yeah, no, I take that, that um, any day yeah. of the week. But yeah, it was it was good to see them. Uh, get a result again they've been getting more results than not uh, these days when they don't play Washington which is a good sign it's just you know something about that team and I you know know that you have some thoughts about the narrative of oh they're big and strong well so is Boston and the Devils have no I mean they they have relatively few issues with them compared to the issues they have against Washington I think it's more a matter of Washington scoring being a little more balanced than just the one line the one ridiculous line Um, but Washington's a better team. Yeah, than Boston like for, and, for many reasons. And more to the, and more to the point, I would I would have a lot more time for this big and physical thing if Washington was this cycling team that was just crushing the Devils in the corner and winning lots of pucks, you know, in tight spaces and doing that. Like, no, the Devils have been burnt by Washington all season, like off of counterattacks, defensive turnovers, missing coverage on defense, like things that you don't need to be, you know. You know, I know Alexander Ovechkin used to be called the carriage full of power, but he didn't need to be have a carriage full of power in any of these games against the Devils because he was open. Yep. <laughs> he was open to fire shots. Yep. You know, he's the one man on Washington you should never leave open. And yet he keeps getting open, Dan. I it's, mean, it's not just the it, Devils you know, problem, though. I saw it against the Rangers today, too. Uh, they blatantly yeah. left him open. And again. I don't want to talk about Washington until I'm forced to when they inevitably lose to them next week. So let's save it for that uh, next podcast. Then. How about that? Yes. Yes. Let's leave it for the next podcast. But for now, we can smile because the Devils have won in Boston and they won in such a controversial fashion that the salt is just that tasty. Mm-hmm. And with that, it comes to the end of our episode. Um, again, another 
you know, typical loss against Washington, typical win against Boston, business as usual for the New Jersey Devils, as they look to uh, continue to play spoiler for a lot of the teams in the East and maybe um, earn some respectability back, as it seems like whatever lull they were in post-COVID has expired and they're looking more like they did to start the season. Good sign as usual, and we might get to see some of the new prospects participate in games for the Devils in the coming weeks between Thompson and likely not Talvity, but maybe Talvity as well. Um, But all that being said, we'll have that news to you when it happens, and thank you again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and let's go Devils! Go Devils! Go Devils!